Hi, and welcome to the Country Hope Church podcast. We're based in regional Queensland with locations in Chinchilla, Gainda, Jandawi, and Meandara. We hope you enjoy this episode and we invite you to join us for a Sunday service. For full details, head to our website, www.countryhope.church. We've got here lessons from a wise old man. Now, that's not me, okay? Not there yet. Getting close. But I just want to um, look at some very interesting verses there in 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2. This is what they say. From Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's chosen people who are far away from their homes and are scattered all around Pontus and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. It then goes on to say, God planned long ago to choose you by making, his, by making you his holy people, which is the Spirit's work. God wanted you to obey him and to be made clean by the blood of, blood of the death of Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be yours and more. I wonder what you think when you read those verses. They're in, like I said, the first part of the book of Peter. It's so easy to read over them. They're part of the Bible, we all know that, but they're just the introduction. So we read through those quickly so that we can get to the real meat of the book. And yet there is so much in those words that Peter wrote at the start of this letter. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Peter. It's a letter written nearly 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world by people who didn't speak English, who didn't even know Australia existed. But it has so much relevance for us in 21st century country Queensland. This letter could have been written directly to us. And it gives us hope and it gives us guidance and it gives us reassurance. It gives us comfort. It puts courage in our bones. This book is so amazing. And as I prepared this over the last couple of months, really, I've realised that Peter could have been a country Queenslander writing to us directly. This book has so much relevant for us. Because as a, as a nation, we live in a post-Christian culture. Australia is no longer Christian. Christians are actually in the minority in Australia. And we being increasingly marginalised by our media, by our government, by people leading this country, and we're moving away from Christian principles. So this book is so relevant to us. What do these verses tell us that I've got on the board? They say, from Peter, the apostle of Christ, to God's chosen people. The first thing that I know about these words, about this book, is that it's actually a letter written by someone to someone. Now, that might seem obvious to say, uh, yeah, sure, it's a letter. But I, I want you to think about this, that 2,000 years ago, Peter, a real man, sat down and he wrote a letter to some churches in Asia Minor. And it's so easy to, like I said, if you're a Christian, if you read the Bible regularly, just to read over those, okay, they're part of the Bible. And you can sort of read it as if the Bible's a textbook and they're, they're just in there, they're, they're sort of there. And yeah, so what? But there, and there's an element of truth to the fact that it's God's word and God ensured they're there. But this is actually a real letter written by a real person 2,000 years ago. It's like we're opening someone's mail 
and reading it from one person to another. In this book, you'll find warmth. There's warmth there. There's a connection between Peter and the people that he's writing to. He wrote a letter to them for a particular reason. He didn't just write it and then it dropped into our Bible. He actually wrote it to a group of people for a particular reason. He didn't even know he was writing part of the Bible, to be honest. He didn't sit down and start writing and think, well, this is going to be in the Bible and people 2,000 years later are going to be reading this. He actually just sat down and wrote a letter to some people that he was concerned about, that he loved. And 2,000 years later, we're reading it because God ensured that it became part of his holy word. So Peter's writing this letter to a group of people he loved, but in a bigger sense, God said, this letter is going to be important for Christians in years to come. And I'm going to make sure that, that they can read it. And so Peter, what he would have done, he would have been an old man. And he sat down to talk to some churches. He wouldn't have actually written this letter himself. He would have had a scribe there. And he would have sat down in a chair and he would have thought about what he was going to be, be saying. And then he would have began to speak. And he began by saying these words to Peter, from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's chosen people. I want you to use your imagination now as we think about those words. From Peter. Like I said, he was a real man. Probably looked something like this. He was in his 60s probably. This book was written about 60 AD, 30 years after Jesus had, gone, had died and gone back to heaven, risen again. So I want you to imagine this. This is Peter now in his 60s. And he's sitting down and he's thinking, what am I going to write to these people? And he starts with this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I wonder if he paused for a moment as he sat there and he remembered long ago, 30 years ago. I wondered if he remembered the time when he was actually with Jesus. So long ago, he was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee, doing what fishermen do. And then he had an encounter with Jesus of Nazareth. And we have the miracle of the amazing catch. And then when they came into land, Jesus said to Peter and the other fishermen there, give this all up, put your nets down, get rid of your boat, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he did just that. He had an encounter with Jesus Christ that changed his destiny forever. He was there through it all with Jesus. And I wondered as he began to think about this letter, as he sat there in the chair thinking. I wonder if he thought back to the miracles he saw. He saw the blind man get healed. He saw the crippled who was let down through the roof of the house and was made well and, and healed and his sins were forgiven. He heard Jesus say to the leper, your faith has made you well. He was right there when with just a couple of loaves and some fish, Jesus fed well over 5,000 people. He was right there. Peter saw it all. He, he said some great things when Jesus was with him. When Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? It was Peter that said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus commended him for that and said, wow, God has shown you that. You've said a great thing. And on what you've said, I'll build my church. He also said some dumb things. When Jesus said, talked about his coming death, Peter said, no way, I'm not going to let them kill you. I'll make sure I'll protect you. I won't let it happen. And Jesus said to him, get, get behind me, Satan. So Peter was the sort of guy that saw it all and he said some great things and he said some really dumb things. I can relate to this guy. He did some amazing things. 
He walked on water. When the other disciples stayed in the boat, he actually walked on water. But he did some dumb things. Like when they came to arrest Jesus, he had a sword from somewhere and he chopped off the ear of the high priest's uh, servant. So he did some great things. He did some dumb things. He said some amazing things. But he was with Jesus through it all. He saw it all close up in the flesh. He was one of Jesus' best mates. So for three years, he was so close to Jesus. One of the three that were his best mates. He saw Jesus cry. He saw Jesus laugh. He saw him weep at Gethsemane. He saw Jesus in agony of spirit. He saw Jesus forgive people. He was right there when Jesus forgave the prostitute, the, the woman caught in adultery, sorry. And he, was, he heard Jesus' words. He saw Jesus like no one else. And here he is 30 years later thinking, what do I write to followers of Jesus? What do I tell them? If anyone was ever in the position where they could tell people what a follower of Jesus would look like, it was Peter. Because he'd been through it all, he'd seen it all, he knew Jesus, and he didn't just know him from the stories, he knew him intimately. He knew what it was like to deny Jesus at Jesus' lowest moment, when Jesus was arrested. But he also knew what it was to have Jesus' forgiveness over that, and Jesus to say to him, feed my sheep. Peter knew it all, he felt it all, and now he's writing to followers of Christ about how to follow Christ. So as we read through 1 Peter over the next few weeks, remember that this is written by Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And as he sat to dictate this letter, he's doing it as someone with an intimate knowledge of Jesus himself, who was there, who heard it, who touched Jesus, who knew Jesus' heart, who saw what Jesus did and had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. And now he's writing to Christians to say, you can have the same encounter. Your life can be transformed. I know it firsthand. So we're actually getting a letter from someone who knew Jesus like no one else. And now he's an old man, a wise old man who's been a leader of the church for a number of years. He is well-respected. He is Peter, the Apostle of Christ. And we get the privilege of reading his letter. To me, that's absolutely amazing that we get the privilege of reading the letter of Peter, the Apostle of Christ. He goes on to say to God's chosen people, that's the next part, This is what they would have looked like to God's chosen people. A group of people dressed a bit differently to us. Uh, They spoke a different language to us. They lived in the Middle East in modern-day Turkey. But this is what Peter wrote to them. I am Peter, the Apostle of Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are away from their homes and are scattered all around Pontius and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. So we've got the old man who is Peter, who who knew Jesus so well, and he's writing a letter to people who are scattered, who are away from their home. And so once more, I want you to use your imagination to imagine the sort of people he's writing to. They're followers of Jesus, but they've never met him personally. They don't know him face to face. They're a lot like us. They have faith in Jesus, but they've never actually seen him. They've heard about him, they know the gospel message, they, they've given their life to Christ, but they weren't actually there to see and hear Jesus. 
Verse 8 that Peter writes in this letter says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So that's us. That could be written to us. We haven't seen him face to face, but we know him and we love him. And we love being his followers. So they're exactly like us. They would have attended church on Sunday. They would have had supper afterwards. They would have sung. They would have had communion. They would have heard sermons. They were exactly like us. It says scattered around Asia Minor in modern-day Turkey. Uh, this letter that he wrote, it would have gone to the first church and they would have, someone would have got up in front exactly like this and read it out. This is the letter from Peter. Then it would have gone to the next church and the next church and the next church. And over the next few weeks, they would have discussed it and mulled over it. They would have got into their little house groups and they would have talked about it and they would have said, what does it mean to us? Uh, how should we react to this? And so... Uh, we do exactly the same 2,000 years later. Over the next few weeks, we're going to mull over it. We're going to discuss it. And we're going to talk about it, what it means to us. And so Peter wrote this letter as an apostle of Christ to a group of Christians. Why did he write it? What was the purpose? Well, simply because all over the Roman Empire, and particularly in Roman provinces like these, Christianity was under attack. They were in the minority and uh, they weren't undergoing full-on government persecution yet. But they were being attacked for their faith in their communities. The fact that they believed Jesus rose from the dead, they were mocked for that. The fact that they were preaching that all people are equal in God's eyes and men and women are equal and Jews and Gentiles and slaves and masters, they were being mocked for that. And they were promoting a new moral ethic that it's not okay to go and have sex with whoever you want, but you should keep that for your wife. And they were being attacked for that. And they even had the audacity to say, there is only one God, and the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. And every time they said that, they were attacked for it. They were attacked over Facebook and in the media and on TV, and they were attacked, and, and everyone said... They stood out from the crowd because they claimed... We have the proper way to live and we don't want to conform to how the rest of the world is living. They even did things like not worshipping money but giving to the poor and refusing to bow down to the emperor and say that he is Lord. And they were mocked and they were scorned and they were slandered and they basically told, stop it, stop acting like this, join the rest of society, stop being like you are. And they were sacked for putting the Bible on Facebook. And they were told to stop moralising and making people feel bad for their sexual choices. And they were told Christianity has no place in a modern society. And they were told to give it up and, or at least water it down so that we don't feel offended by what you do. Fast forward to Australia in 2022. There's no state-sponsored persecution of Christians yet. But in the media and on social media, we're being attacked like never before. There's an interesting article in the Australian newspaper yesterday by Greg Sheridan. And the whole article was about how Christianity in Australia is no longer just treated with disdain, it's attacked by the media, by bureaucrats, by what's going on. And, and uh, part of the article talked about Scott Morrison, who last weekend, last Sunday in church, got up in a church and he said these words... I, I would much tr rather trust God than trust the government or the UN. 
and the backlash he got in ABC and in media outlets for saying that. Now, I'm telling you, I would rather trust God than the UN or the government. That's just, I don't think that's too controversial to say in a church. But he got mocked and attacked incessantly this week. It was amazing to see. Do you know, our Chinchilla Christian College was in the national media just a week ago for some of the Christian beliefs that they choose to uphold. And I was sitting in a coffee shop and I read it on ABC on the, on the, and I'm thinking, this is crazy, Chinchilla Christian College is being attacked for some of the things that they believe in that are just normal Christian belief. We are under attack like never before. We're being mocked in the public square. So how do Christians live in a world that we find ourselves in right now? How do we balance living well in a secular society, ruled by secular governments, but how do we effectively live out our Christian faith? And how can we as Christians, followers of Christ, keep our faith, but at the same time win people to Christ in our community? How do we balance all this? And we come back to this letter that Paul wrote. He saw what was happening in Asia Minor, he saw Christians under attack for their belief, for just stating simple stuff. He knew that they were in the minority and he penned this letter. He was a wise old man who knew Christ, who'd seen him face to face, who knew the heart of Christ. And he sat down and he penned this letter to Jesus' followers. He was the one who preached the first ever church sermon and a couple of thousand were saved. He'd known persecution for his faith, and he'd penned this letter. And over the next few weeks, we're going to discover how to live in a society where Christians are in the minority, and they are mocked in the public square for simple Christian beliefs. How, we, how do we live in this? How do we stay strong in our faith? How do we make sure that we never back down on the truth of the gospel, yet remain good citizens in our community? How do we do that? How do we find the balance? And so this letter that Peter sat down 2,000 years ago and wrote could have actually been written to us. I could easily read in these first couple of verses from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's chosen people who are away from home in heaven, we're not there yet, and are scattered around Chinchilla, Meandara, Gainda, and John Dowie. I write these words to you who live in a society that's becoming increasingly hostile to you. I write these to you so that you may have faith in Jesus Christ and you may live the best life you can live as a citizen of your society. So for me, this letter is so important. But the one thing I really want to bring out over the next few weeks is this letter brings me a sense of courage and comfort. Things might seem to be getting hostile. They might seem to be, where is this going? Are, are we going to be under persecution? But Peter starts off this letter by writing to God's chosen people. That's us, who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's us. He writes in this first chapter, you know that in the past, 
You know that in the past you were living a worthless way, a way passed down from people and who lived before you, but you were saved from that useless life and you were bought not with something that ruins like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, who is like a pure and perfect lamb. Christ was chosen before the world was made, but he was shown to the world in these last times for your sake. And I really want to emphasise today uh, that the society we live in and the increasingly hostile nature of the media and what's happening in Australia and around the world, it hasn't got me worried at all. I'm not scared. I'm not thinking what's going to come. Instead, I'm thinking I'm God's chosen person. And he knows what's going on. And I've been bought with something that's more precious than anything else with the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm in his hands. And no matter how bad the persecution seems to get or how much pressure I'm put under, I am his chosen person. And with faith, I can remain confident that I'm on the winning side and that he has me in his hand. And that as Peter wrote so many years ago, and he'd been through so much persecution himself, he wrote with confidence, you are chosen by Jesus Christ. Have courage, be comforted, look forward to the future with optimism and faith because you've been chosen by God and he will take care of you. This is going to be a great, excuse me, a great letter that we're looking at over the next few weeks. I'm looking forward to this as we are filled with comfort, hope, courage and optimism, but also wisdom. How can I live properly in the world I find myself in? Why don't you stand? We're going to pray. Letter from an old man, a wise old man. My prayer is that over the next few weeks you'll be comforted, filled with courage, wisdom and we will know how to function effectively in chinchilla and win people to Christ. This is your homework for the next week. Just to read 1 Peter 1. It will take you about 5 to 10 minutes. Just read through it a couple of times, the first chapter of 1 Peter. And just pray this, God, I believe I'm your chosen people. Fill me with courage and hope today and optimism that I can do amazing things for your kingdom. Just pray that, read that first chapter, pray that. And like I said, the next couple of weeks, we're going to explore what that means for us and how we can change our community by living well and full of faith. Why don't we pray? Lord, I want to thank you for your word which is amazing and is relevant to me, which impacts me daily, which shows me your heart and shows me who I am. It shows me how I can live full of faith no matter what's going on around me. And Lord, I pray for this sermon series as we read this letter that Peter dictated in his older age. Lord, I pray that we would be filled with a sense of hope that it would change the way we view ourselves and our church and our community and our position within this society. Lord, I pray for people here who may be scared about what's happening and who are anxious about where we're going and what's happening with government and, and world affairs. I pray that this letter would bring a sense of confidence and comfort and hope. 
Lord, for those who think we're in the minority, how can I possibly live my faith effectively? I pray that this would be the blueprint that would see us live the way that you want us to live and win people for Christ. May it transform us as a church. May it transform us as individuals. May it bring us closer to you, Jesus, the one who died for us and rose again. Lord, I pray that these next four weeks will give us a new sense of who you are and what you've done for us and who we are as your church. May we know that we are victorious and that in the end, your kingdom will reign. May we be filled with hope, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Country Hope Church podcast and that this episode blessed you. If you've got any questions or prayer requests, please don't hesitate to contact us through our email, connect at countryhope.church. If you'd like to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we hope to see you either online or in person at some point soon.